You're listening to the Keep Going Podcast, where we keep going after the heart of God, because He's our only hope. I'm Nika Maples. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Keep Going Podcast. We are in a series called A Walk Through the Proverbs. Just a note, I use the New Living Translation as my primary text because it's readable, and I don't approach these podcasts as a scholar, but as a lover of the Word who wants to share simple spiritual observations from my own daily Bible reading. Let's review the last episode in two points. Number one. Proverbs 6 outlines some terrifying and terrific consequences for living out of alignment or in alignment with God's commands for our lives, especially in the area of fidelity in marriage. Number two, we discuss that there is a difference between discipline, which is positive and blesses your future, punishment, which is negative and cuts off your future, and consequences, which are neutral but will affect your future. The most effective non-smoking campaign I have ever seen was a large poster that had rows and rows of portraits of identical twins. When I came closer, I realized they were identical, yet remarkably different. They wore similar clothing and had similar hairstyles and were sitting in a similar way. Obviously, each set of twins were born on the exact same day, within minutes of each other. But... The one pictured on the right in each portrait looked about 15 or 20 years older than their sibling. And the only text on the poster said that the one on the right had smoked their whole life. The one on the left had not. Wow. In all of those tobacco campaigns I'd seen before, I'd never seen one that presented the benefits as well as the detriments, but it was pretty obvious when presented side by side. Seeing the benefit of not smoking was a powerful message and motivator. Usually all we see are the terrifying consequences of tobacco use, not the terrific consequences of not using tobacco. A consequence is neutral. It is just the next happening in the sequence consequence. Its definition is the result or effect of an action. Yet the connotation of the word consequence is negative. What about the positive consequences though? I'm motivated more by benefits than by detriments, more by reward than by fear. So when making a presentation of any kind to teenagers, I keep that in mind. I want to make sure I offer the best case scenarios instead of just the worst, which they've all heard before anyway. And this is not just about tobacco use. In Proverbs, we see a lot of positive and negative consequences, and I like that they are always presented in tandem. This is a wise way to instruct. When I've spoken with young people about, say, premarital sex, I don't mention the consequences of making only one side of the choice. Those consequences like teenage pregnancy or STDs, they're familiar with those. Instead, I mention the other consequences, the good ones that come when you make the other side of the choice. I will say, can you imagine being able to say to your future spouse, I have loved you my whole life, 
I even made choices in favor of you before I even knew you. Can you imagine how much greater satisfaction you will have if you are completely removing the aspect of comparison from your marriage? Because you won't have anyone else to compare your spouse to? What a gift to them! And can you imagine being able to say to your children, I'm not just telling you to do as I say and not as I do. Feel free to do as I do. Your father and I have built and are building this family on a foundation of commitment and character, and it has been from day one. I want young people to know that God gives us his commands in order to bless our futures. He is not robbing us of pleasure and joy. He is investing in our pleasure and joy. Please allow me one more word here. Sexual abstinence is not only connected to virginity or to youth. I have spoken to several Christians who've been married before and for whatever reason are single again, and they truly believed that they no longer needed to practice abstinence. But God designed sex only for the context of marriage. So if you are not married, you must practice abstinence. It doesn't matter if you have experienced sex in the past or not. And I have been in singles groups at church where half of the people in the room were sexually active because they thought that by the time they were in their 30s, they had waited long enough and that the expectation of abstinence was just for youth. They considered that they were approaching sex responsibly as adults. I don't get it. God designed sex only for the context of marriage. So if you are not married, you must practice abstinence. I have even spoken to a few Christians, believe it or not, who are in their 70s and 80s and who are sexually active even though they are not married and their justification for this is that they're so old now it doesn't matter anymore. What? This is such a misunderstanding that I thought it was rare and highly unusual. But the more I looked into it, it is not. Listen, God designed sex only for the context of marriage. Period. Regardless of your past, embrace God's commands today. The benefits that come from honoring God from this point forward will be the best consequences you could possibly imagine. Now, God will not owe you anything if you do this. He will not owe you a certain type or quality of marriage in the future. He will not owe you a certain outcome of any kind. You and I don't get to define what a blessing looks like. But if you honor God by doing what he says, you can trust that you will for sure be blessed. Proverbs 7 Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard the pupil of your own eyes. Tie my instructions on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. While I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight in the evening, and deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart. 
She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She is often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him, and with a brazen look she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you, and here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses, for my husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. He's taken a wallet full of money with him, and he won't return until later this month. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. Pause. I distinctly remember one parent-teacher conference when I was teaching in intermediate school. We had invited this parent to discuss some behavior problems going on with her daughter. As the meeting continued, this parent stated some additional concern that the student in question was sleeping with her boyfriend and experimenting with drugs after school. I have told her again and again not to have anyone over after school while I'm at work, she said. Also, I have a very strict rule that she is not allowed to close her bedroom door at any time when boys are in the house. But I still come home to find her in her room with her boyfriend with the door closed. I have tried everything, but I don't know how to stop it. What would you do, Miss Maples? Well, I'm not a parent, so in those kinds of settings, I always want to approach advice humbly. But she asked me, so I answered. I can see a few things that might help this situation. One is immediate. If I were you, I would go straight home and remove the door from the hinge. I would tell her that a bedroom door is a privilege and that by not following the expectations of the house, she has removed the privilege from herself. But she can earn it back, and I would explain the ways that she could. Removing the door is not ultimately about the door. It's about training her into transparency. Secrets are dangerous in a family. You know, I think I would also try to seek a different job for myself as soon as possible. Even if I had built quite a bit into my current job, if I were concerned about my daughter's safety in the afternoons, I would want to make sure I was there at home. She's only 11 years old, so I would reduce the number of hard decisions that she has to make by herself by being a parent present there. If you put the health of your family first now, I believe you'll be blessed. You might even find a better job that allows you to be home in the afternoons. Oh, and one more thing. If I saw all of this happening in my daughter's life, I might make an extra effort to be intentional about talking with her and spending more quality time with her. If she wants to spend that much time with her boyfriend, it's probably because she craves closeness. At 11 years old, closeness is best shared with her mother. I guess that would be the general plan, if I were you. She looked at me and said, you seriously expect me to take the door off the hinge? <sighs> he followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his life. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. 
Don't let your heart stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. Please be willing to do anything in order to protect the well-being of your family and each of its members. Always keep it in the forefront of your mind. Family first. When I was in my 20s, a friend and I worked together in a ministry setting. He went to such lengths not to be alone with me that it became awkward sometimes. When we had to ride together somewhere, he would try to find someone to ride with us, or else he would insist on making the errand alone. When we had to discuss something, I noticed that he would stay in front of the open door so that anyone could see us talking at any time. I mean, really, the caution he went to made things awkward. But I thought it was just his unusual personality. I didn't know what he was doing. I had never seen a man take such precautions before. Then a couple years later, I worked with another man in a ministering setting who had the exact same behaviors. I was better friends with him, and so one day I said, It sure is awkward sometimes trying to work together. Have you noticed that? Why? Have I done or said something? He answered, No, you haven't done anything, Nika. And I understand what you mean by awkwardness. It is awkward because I am constantly on guard to honor my wife in every setting. I take precautions not to be alone with other women, including ministry partners. Ever. That may be uncomfortable for you sometimes, but honestly, I'm not concerned with your comfort. I prioritize hers. In that moment, I was wide-eyed with respect. And suddenly, I completely understood the actions of the other friend several years before. Both of these men, who were in their 30s at the time and are now in their 50s, have healthy and rewarding marriages that I admire and aspire to, but I know why they have those marriages. When it came to honoring their wives, they were willing to take extreme measures to be transparent at all times. God honors the people who do that. We heard Proverbs 7 speak about the man who was strolling down the path by the house of the immoral woman. I want to ask, why didn't he try to get where he was going by a different path? He might have thought that he had such tremendous self-control that he could actually walk that close to her door without going in it. But it doesn't work that way. I have a wise friend who says, when you choose a road, you choose what's at the end of that road. The time to exercise self-control is when you're choosing the road. Because by the time you're on it, it's already too late. Whatever it takes to protect your fidelity, either before or during marriage, be willing to do it. Go out of your way to be transparent. Don't be afraid to take the door off the hinge. And teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Today's music is from Psalm 51 by Shane and Shane and is used with permission. That's all. And now, may you be blessed coming and going. Instead of shame and dishonor, may you enjoy a double share of honor. May you possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. 
and may everlasting joy be yours. We'll talk soon. Until then, keep going. Restore to me the joy of